0: This is Criterium Nation, a show about life lived one corner at a time. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. The Big Apple, New York City, it's got what everybody wants. It's a borderline magical place. You have lights, you've got action, you've got people, you've got money, you've got culture, society, you've got Hamilton, you've got all of the vibrancy that makes life exciting. What you don't think about when you think about New York City is bike racing. That's reserved for places far away from cabs and buses and pedestrians. But the reality is, is that bike racing happens right there in Times Square, right there in Central Park. It happens in Harlem. It happens around Grant's Tomb. And there are people in New York City who thrive as bike racers. That includes the guest on today's show, Michael Tan, of Good Guys Racing. He and I sat down and talked about what makes New York City such an attractive destination. And since we're talking about attractiveness within the entire world, let's talk about the Wide Angle Podium, the world's only top-tier collection of independent cycling content. It's the network that this show is a part of and it's what we would like you to become a member of. So head on over to wideanglepodium.com to take a look at the full line of shows that are there. Check out the YouTube page as well for shows like Matt Allen's little previews of big races or all the great work that Bill Shikin from Crosshairs is putting out there. And when you do find something that you'd like, consider becoming a member and help supporting this content creator owned network and if you're strolling around the internet and you've got a little extra time during this holiday season head on over to criteriumnation.com and take a look at everything that we've got on there as well don't forget to like share and subscribe to this podcast wherever you find it stitcher spotify apple anywhere and if you really like what you hear leave us a review It'll help other people find out what it is that this show's about, find the show in general, and just let folks know that we're doing something good here. And I promise you, I'm going to really appreciate the heck out of it. So it's the day before New Year's. We're talking to somebody in New York City about excitement and action. This is the perfect time for me to just let Michael take it from here.
1: All right, um, Michael Tan. Uh, I race for Good Guys Racing. I'm also the founder and manager, and I live in New York City.
0: It is amazing to have a conversation with a bike racer who is from New York City. A lot of us go to Manhattan, go to Brooklyn, go to the Bronx, and we see people riding bikes when we go there, and we're just like, these these folks are crazy. <laughs> How can somebody be a legitimate bike rider? Much less bike racer and live in the city.
1: I I guess it's the same as anywhere. Like, you're definitely um, like a niche kind of guy, you know? (laughs) You're not really just your average guy, like walking down the street, you know? We do this crazy sport that's not popular in this country, has no coverage really. Um, But in the city specifically, there's two main places that we train in Manhattan, or even if you're you're from Queens or or close to Manhattan in Brooklyn, uh, you generally come to Central Park to train. It's a 10k loop, so you know we got good roads. Um, there's no car traffic, so that's the main place we train. But all, people also train in Prospect Park in Brooklyn as well.
0: Prospect Park has kind of like a famous race series. Is it or is that Floyd Field? I, I sometimes get the two confused.
1: Uh, there, there's both. There's both. There's uh, the casino. Uh, race series. Uh, there's also Floyd Bennett Field. You know, it, it's crazy because in New York City, you know, th- there's a vibrant bike racing scene. Uh, during the summer, you, you can do four races a week. You know, very close by, you can ride to all all four races. I think that's pretty amazing. I, I didn't know. I was talking to other people from California, even SoCal, and it's, these guys are driving an hour to a race. I'm like, if that was the case,
0: that's a that's a short drive to a race in Southern California.
1: Yeah, and that blows my mind because literally it takes me three and a half minutes to get to the start line in Central Park.
0: Central Park is iconic. You know, people know the name of the designer of Central Park. And and he's famous for designing other parks like Forest Park in St. Louis. And you know, we see Central Park on TV and in movies, but you guys are there six AM in the morning training. This is a tool for you what is it like to be in the background of everybody's selfie
1: you you know what's nuts it's um even though we've been riding in central park well myself personally for for 15 years now it's like it's not lost on me how spectacular it is um you know like day to day you just go you you meet your teammates and your friends you you do your training you go home but like every now and again at at least twice a week uh, i'll sit back and i'll be like hey guys take a look at this view it's it's amazing We're, we're in this little oasis in the middle of manhattan so, I mean, it's very bucolic. You see the, the reservoir, the water, the trees. You even see turtles crossing the street, believe it or not. And then the background is these huge skyscrapers, you know, these uh, multi-million dollar apartments. It's really spectacular, and we feel very fortunate. It's not lost on us.
0: The thing that I always remembered about moving to D.C. was that the moment that this is no longer impressive, the moment that the Lincoln Memorial, the Washington Monument, the Capitol Building is no longer impressive to me, I got to move. I just got to get out. Do you have that same sort of reality check with New York City?
1: You know, a hundred percent, you know, I'm not a young guy. I've been around the the block and I've been around uh, New York City for quite a while. The great thing is on the team, there's all these young guys and they're they're not from here. You know, they're international guys like Connor. he He's from uh, England. We have Cormac from Ireland and these guys, they just like, their enthusiasm, like, you know, I, I see it through their eyes too. Like they're amazed by these things. Whereas like, you know i'm used to seeing it but like their enthusiasm is infectious you know and it kind of like reinvigorates me yeah it's amazing I'm, I'm still like i'm rediscovering things that i've already seen if that makes sense
0: but every once in a while you guys get out of new york city you get on the gw bridge you go across the river you know go into long island you go in the other way what's it like to you know, Because not a lot of us ride a bike over the Hudson River. What's it like to escape to New, Jer- to New Jersey?
1: Typically during the week, be- just because of work constraints, uh, we train in the parks. But uh, on the weekends, if the weather's permitting, we, we definitely we get out of the city because you can't ride in the city. It's, it's too crowded with tourists generally. Uh, so we cross the G- uh, George Washington Bridge, wind up in New Jersey for 10 miles, and then we're back in New York again. So that's on the other side of the Hudson River. And that's where all the riding is. And it's actually, it's quite nice. It's really beautiful over there. It's a nice escape.
0: not a lot of people cross rivers and go through and across states when they do a ride. I do because Maryland, D.C., Virginia, they're all right there. You do with, with New Jersey. Do you see different types of communities, drivers, the way that people approach you when you're riding in Central Park as opposed to riding in New Jersey as opposed to riding towards the upper at ends of the, the Hudson River?
1: So I think our experience here in, in New York City and New Jersey um, and the surrounding areas, it's pretty much probably similar to what you experience in every other cyclist experience. You know, the drivers, they see us as uh, kind of like, um, like annoyances, you know, like bugs, right? Like we don't belong on the road. You know, they get so upset with us and, you know, they're, they're honking at us. It's a little bit worse in New Jersey, I have to say. Um, New Yorkers, we, we kind of get along and we go with the flow, especially in New York city. It's, uh, this will sound like a cliche or it sound like, it sounds like hyperbole, but it's not like, you know, we actually shoulder taxi cabs and like headbutt buses and things like that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just par for the course. I mean, we generally respect each other and a little contact is okay. You know, like on both sides, right? Like if I, if I bump into your car, your, your cab, or even a personal car, it's like, all right, no harm, no foul, like be on your way. Right. Not everything leads into a confrontation where it's. It feels like in Jersey they kind of seek you out, they they, they curse you out, they throw things at you. You know, it's a little different.
0: <laughs> kind of sounds like Maryland. I I mean, we're, <laughs> the way that you so casually say that you're like leaning into a cab or a bus, you know, as you're out there riding. I don't think that the average listener in Texas is going to be like leaning into a to an F two fifty or something like that and expecting it to be a good result you know, one of the realities of living in in a city is that you've got to train at interesting times and you guys are dawn patrol. That is when good guys racing goes out and does its rides. What is it like in those early morning hours in in the city?
1: I mean, in this particular year, I'll I'll just speak on this year for now. There were a lot more cyclists than normal, right? Because of, uh, you know, everything's locked down, everyone's buying bikes, and that's great to see. But what happens is during the summer, it, it gets super crowded. Everyone's on their bikes and, you know, no one has anywhere to go. So it, it's kind of crowded. Like now that it's getting a little colder, it's it's getting kind of sparse there, which is kind of nice for us. You know, it's just the, the team out there. We're hitting our intervals. We're doing our training. And, and it's much, much safer. Just the, there's less traffic out there.
0: I remember reading in the Post or the Times, I can't remember which, the Washington Post, not the New York Post. I'm not a Mets fan.
1: <laughs> Too bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I remember reading there There was a, an effort by the local police authorities or the park authority to kind of regulate the time that people would use Central Park. And that a lot of people get out there early in the morning or late at night to exercise and and the police were trying to crack down on folks in Central Park exercising, you know, in odd hours. Did that ever become an issue for you guys?
1: For sure. And and this happens every couple of years. It's a cycle. And every time it happens, you're like, you know, every New York City cyclist, uh, bike racer, we start to panic because there's so much enforcement. I mean, it's like a $200 ticket for running a light. And there are many lights in the park, and there's no there's no cars. They're not allowed in there. But then they still enforce it on us. It's usually after there, there's been some pedestrian cyclist accident, and and then you know the the heat fades away, right? It doesn't last forever. But I mean, if it hits at an inopportune time, that's that's your season right there. And where do you go? Where do you train? Right? You just have to be on the lookout. You feel like you're you're committing a crime by just exercising, by by getting fit.
0: You know, we've got the big holiday coming up in New York City, and Having a conversation with a guy from New York City and talking in a positive light is not something that I would have done 20 years ago when I was growing up. Growing up in Chicago, New York was always viewed as that other place. And you couldn't say a nice thing about New York without fear that somebody was going to pull your Chicago Patriot card away from you. But having been there now and having spent time and worked in New York City, I know it's magical. This show is coming out the day before New Year's Eve. And if there is a holiday that is more closely associated with a city than New Year's Eve in New York City, I don't know of it. Uh, I'm sure somebody's going to at me about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. But what is it like to be in the city New Year's Eve? Or is it just something that you guys try to avoid because it's all the people from Jersey and upstate?
1: Yeah, it's funny because uh, anyone that lives here, oh my gosh, we try to avoid Times Square. <laughs> um, and I used to live very close to Times Square, so that they actually had the the pens where they were penning up the tourists right in front of my apartment. Thank God I moved a little further west. But yeah, we avoid it like the plague. You know, you just get together with your buddies uh, and their wives, and you know, we, we we ring in the New Year in somebody's apartment. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's how it, that's how it goes.
0: It's just like the rest of us. All we're doing is watching TV of folks in Times Square going, "I'm really glad I'm not there."
1: 100%.
0: <laughs>
1: 100%.
0: <laughs> Why don't we talk more about you guys and about bike racing world? You know, one thing that I think is unique to New York City and to good guys racing is how it fits into this larger structure. There's not a lot of people out there who know exactly what CRCA is, and I believe that's the Answer the Century Road Club of America, and that Good Guys and a lot of other teams are a part of CRCA. Can you, you know, walk us through what CRCA is and how Good Guys Racing fits into that?
1: Sure. So CRCA is the longest-running bicycle club in the country. Uh, it's 100 years old plus, 100 plus years. How we fit in there is we are a sub team of CRCA, which means that we can participate in their club races, which is held in Central Park every one or you know every week or two uh, during the summer. Um, they also hold amazing open races, which is open to anybody you know with, with the USAC license. There's Grant's Tomb's uh, Crit, which is one of the, the best, most technical, fun crits around, I think that that I've been in. Uh, there's Orchard Beach Crit, and there's also the Bear Mountain Classic which is more for, uh, you know, like climby guys, <laughs> not, not not me for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's really easy racing. Like I said before, uh, three and a half minutes, I, I wake up, I roll out, uh, I'm at the start line. You know, it's just really convenient racing, really high level. All the top New York City guys are there.
0: The club races, which you guys seem to dominate and get involved in all the time. Can I rock up and do one of those or do I have to... You know, like be a part of a team, or how does that work?
1: You you can do it as an unattached rider, uh, but in order to do it, you have to wear one of their jerseys. So either you're part of a sub team, or you're an unattached rider, and you can go race by race, or or you can just get the race pass. And that's another thing about the CRCA that's so great: it's a hundred bucks, and you know you're doing 10, 12 races right throughout the season. That's great value. But yeah, you, you do have to sign up and you do have to register. And most people are part of sub teams that race, especially at the in the A field, which is uh, the P123.
0: And what time are these races held at? Because I've seen some of the Floyd Field ones and they start at like 6 a.m.
1: So the CRCA races, because Central Park is such a tourist destination... Uh, they want to get us out of there as quick as possible. But so we we start right at dawn. The the start times are rolling.
0: Okay. So like in June it's at one time, but in May or April it's a substantially later time in the day because the sun just doesn't come up. E-
1: exactly right. So like, you know, getting up to to start a race at five fifteen, I mean it's pretty brutal. You're getting up at four o'clock in the morning. Some guys from the outer boroughs are getting up even earlier. But you know it's all worth it, right? And that's like the life of bike racing here in New York. It's it's just what you do, you know. Like <laughs> you don't sleep very often. Everyone shows up bleary eyed, and um, but once that whistle goes, man, oof, we're ready.
0: But you have to say that after the race is over, you've got the best coffee and the best bagels around, and you can just walk to that or ride over to that.
1: A hundred percent, hundred percent. But generally, what happens after the race? we would go across the George Washington bridge and <laughs> cuz we want to get more miles in what what happens is racing gets in the way of training right you know you do a 40 50 mile race and you know you still got to put some more miles in your legs so we go across and we actually get the there's this place on 9w which is the east coast most popular cyclist route and there's a place called market and it's like a a fancy you know fancy pants uh, little market and we get you know that that's when we get our bagels and our egg sandwiches and our coffee and we talk about the race and, you know, it's it's very casual. And usually what we do is, you know, we'll obviously go with the team, but we'll, we'll invite other teams, just other people racing. Like, Let's go. It's more of a social thing at that point.
0: So here's one of the great differences, I think, about bike riding and bike racing in different parts of the country. I've gotten the opportunity to travel for my, my paying job for work. A lot with my bike. And when I get out to some more exotic locations like California or Colorado or Arizona, you know, I I'll stay a day or two extra and just go riding. And every once in a while, I'll hook up with one of the locals and we'll go and I'll just be like, Hey, just take me where you want to go. Wherever you guys normally go, let's go there. We'll stop when you need to stop, whatever. And in California, a lot of their rides have these mid ride, winery break or mid-ride brewery break and like that you just sit down and you have a beer or a glass of wine i don't get the sense that you're doing that on 9w
1: uh no but but we've been talking about it (laughs) um it's if we go straight to market and back it's a pretty short ride like out and back it's about two hours so You know, if the coach has is doing recovery, it's like you know, it sounds pretty good. We might, (laughs) maybe we should stop for a beer or three.
0: You know, we we know what CRCA is now. Good Guys Racing. Where where does that come from? You know, where does this name Good Guys Racing come from?
1: So it's funny. Um, you know, like like I said before, I've been I've been racing on and off for about fifteen years or so. And and, you know, I had real no ambitions when I was younger and I was starting out. It was more of a fun thing. But what I realized. Uh, the one thing I really noticed, and it's very acute, was that the elite teams—not just the elite teams, even cat fours and fives—like they never wave to you. You know, they just like you know, you're, you're. you're I was probably wearing a mismatched kit. I probably looked like you know, weren't wearing all baggy stuff and didn't look like a racer. You know, in quotes, right? Um, and I, I just, I remember how I felt. You know, so I'm like, good guys racing. I just wanted it to be a reminder for guys like, listen, man, you represent our team. Specifically, right? Be a good guy, you know, like wave to people, wave to everyone. We're all doing the same sport. I mean, we're all smashing taxis, right? It's we're all doing the same thing. I I don't care if you're racing, if you're just a recreational cyclist, you're a commuter. We're all doing the same thing, you know, and you know, this is kind of keeping people's ego in check, right? On our team, it's like, listen, man, you just ride bikes, you know, don't take yourself like too seriously in that sense, right? Be kind, be nice, be a good guy,
0: right? So you're not sponsored or affiliated with the Gentleman's Club in Washington, D.C., Good Guys.
1: <laughs> no, but you know we might have to check it out just to see.
0: <laughs> I love that the full name of the club is Good Guys Racing, presented by highwaterwomen.org. When you dig a little deeper into what and who highwaterwomen.org is, it is just a super cool organization. What can you tell us about them? Well, oh, high
1: water women, phenomenal. Um, professional women charity since 2005. Their primary purpose is to help low income youth and adults with uh, financial literacy. So things like budgeting, saving, being aware of like what happens with debt, um, how to avoid scams, things like that. Volunteers will go in, they'll hold a class and, and they'll educate people. Right, M- make sure they're not you know spending their money unwisely, uh, which is super important. And another thing they do is that they provide backpacks to to school kids. You know, filled with supplies, and since 2005, uh, they've given out almost 150,000 backpacks with supplies. I mean, that's amazing. And and the the how we've been connected with them is our chief sponsor, who, who wants to remain anonymous. He's just a good guy. You know, he he helps us with our our travel and fees and things like that. He helps us financially just to promote them. You know, he really believes in, in their mission. So and we're happy to have him on our jersey.
0: And if folks want to find out more about it, obviously it's highwaterwomen.org. It is a 501c3 organization. And so if you if you feel inclined to donate, you know, we'll make sure to link that in the notes to the show here because they're doing good work and they're doing work that needs to be done for just the general community. 100%. When you go to the CRCA web page, there's a quote that's associated with good guys racing. And it's, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. I got to imagine that there's a story behind that.
1: 100%. Once again, you know, it's basically, it's to keep people's egos in check, right? We all have egos. We're all athletes, right? We all want to win. We all want to be the guy crossing the line. Uh, We all want to be on the top podium, on the top step of the podium. But you know, it takes a team to get there. Sure. You know, we have some super strong guys on any given day. They can solo away or they can win on their own. We, we can all win on our own. Um, but it's, it's so much easier when everyone comes together. Everyone knows their role for a particular race. And we turn ourselves inside out for each other. You know, if my teammate wins, uh, Connor wins, Neil wins, Elliot wins, Cormac wins, Hassani wins, you know, I win, right? Because I had a hand in it. I tell all our guys, no one sits at the back. No one's anonymous. We're all doing something. If you're sitting at the back, it's because you're going to sprint, my man, you know? Um, and we're going to lead you out as best we can. It's everyone's ego's in check, and we always have a plan. And, you know, it's the whole family atmosphere of the team. And that's one thing I really stress, too. And, and the thing is, we're all great friends. So we, we definitely work harder for each other than, than some other teams where it's just like these hired guns, you know? To each their own. teach their own. It's just how we do it.
0: So, you know, we're, we're talking about you guys and and kind of the the origin of it and and I think we've alluded to it earlier in the show that the folks who are on this team are not all New Yorkers. you know they weren't born and bred there. they didn't go to p s thirty five you know they're coming from a lot of different parts of the world. so where are you drawing these guys from? Did you just go to like a block in Manhattan and say, "Hey, you look fit, buddy. you want a bike?" Oh, cool. You happen to be from Antigua? Let's do it.
1: (laughs) So it's so funny because New York, man, it's like uh, it's the crossroads of the world, right? Uh, Everyone seems to funnel here and spend time here. So everyone that we've met, it's usually they've been our competitors at a race and we're like, well, that guy's pretty strong. and he's You know, let's go talk to him. So uh, my man, Connor Dellenbank, First time I met him, we were doing a stage race in Vermont. Definitely not a race for me, but I was going for the coveted uh, sprint jersey. So the first time, uh, my buddy John, he led me out for a sprint point, and we blew past Connor like he was standing still, right? And Connor, just just to give you an idea, he's the national champion of Antigua. The guy's a savage. He's one of our top riders. Uh, he's just an animal. And I blew past him like he was standing still because he's never seen the lead out. And he was impressed by that. We, we spoke to him afterwards and, uh, you know, we got on, you know, I'm just like, oh, we got to get this kid. How, how's this kid climbing like that? He's so big. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, throughout the course of the four days, uh, you know, we started chatting more and more. And then afterwards we started riding and, you know, it, it just worked out. But like everyone else, like Cormac, for instance, uh, I was doing a crit and, you know, he was just getting back into bike racing. This kid's the former Irish national amateur champion. I didn't know that. I just saw some like chubby kids soloing away. I'm like, I'm not going to waste matches chasing this guy. So I I sat in and I'm like, this kid is staying away. This is incredible. And we both wind up, he wins. I I land on the podium in third. And I'm like, who is this kid? And we start chatting. Someone told me he's a national champion. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. He didn't look like a bike rider, you know? But then, I I mean, this was like over a year ago. This is like two years ago. I mean, the guy, he is a beast and he is in shape. You know, Hassani, another one. I'm just going to give you all these examples. We went to Antigua to to race in the stage race down there, and I was going as Connor's domestique. And he's like, "Dude, there's one guy we really got to watch out for. This guy, Hassani from Anguilla." I'm like, "All right, that's cool. Like, you know, let's, let's let's go bust him up, right?" So we get down there. Gracious guy, man, comes right over. You know. The, the way Connor w- w- was talking, I'm like, oh, this guy's gonna be like, you know, some some prick or something, right? The guy is the loveliest guy in the world, comes over, introduces himself. It's too bad we had to punish him <laughs> on our first meeting. Uh, but that's the way it goes, man. And you know, he's such a lovely guy, and he wound up on the team, and that's just what happened.
0: The team has been growing over the last five or six years, dramatically. Uh both in the form of accomplishments and in in composition and diversity, but still at its core is this group of people who started together basically as cat fives. How critical has it been to you to have this core group of people who've developed through the ranks together?
1: I mean, that's everything, right? Like when I first started this team, uh, I was a cat four, we're all cat fours. And, you know, I just wanted people to ride with and race with, you know, on a consistent basis. Uh, Some people fall away, you know, it's, You know, I was sandbagging for a while. I had my upgrade points, but I I didn't upgrade just because I wanted my friends to upgrade too. Because I, I, you know, the point is to race with your friends, right? I didn't want to race alone. This guy Connor, he comes on like three years ago, and he's like a he's a whirlwind, man. He's a force of nature, and he just lifted everyone up. He lifted everyone's level up. It's like wow, this guy's on our team. It's insane, and he just blew through the ranks in one year from Cat Five to Cat One. And you know, he he lifted everyone up, right? So then it's like okay, my, my turn to upgrade, and you know the results just kept on coming. And it's like, it was always there. But but what's great about it is you see the growth and you know everyone's backstory. You know their spouses, you know their girlfriends. It's such a different, unique experience. And it's, you know, it might not be 100% unique. I'm sure other teams have it as well, but it's that's the number one thing what I find enjoyable about the team, what I'm proud of.
0: You, like you said, you're not a young guy. Uh, Some of the guys on your team are young. You know, you're forty-three now, if if I'm if I'm counting correctly. And and you've got, you know, Elliot, who is thirty-eight, but then you've got 20-year-olds like Connor and Cormac. How is it how is it that guys who would have not been born when you were in high school are such integral parts of your social network and friend group?
1: Well, I think it, it it's our passion and love for the sport. I mean it's all consuming, right? If you race bikes and you race at a high level, it's, you know, you wake up in the morning, you just think about bikes, you know, all day you're thinking about bikes, your wife's talking to you, you're thinking about bikes. Um, you're chatting to your friends about bikes And, and that's what, that's what holds us together, you know, and we, we spend so much time together. Like our team is the only elite team in the city that trains together, you know, on a regular basis, we spend fifteen to twenty hours a week training together. I mean, that's a lot of time. And I, I, I try to put things in perspective for for the younger guys. I'm like, think about your other friends. How many times a month do they see them? How many hours do you spend with them? And and the number is very low. So so to have fifteen to twenty hours together just for training, forget all the extracurricular stuff. You know, forget the dinners, forget the. You know, just the, hanging out—it's it, tremendous. So you, you forge these really, really close relationships, these close friendships. You know, I, I really cherish that.
0: Talking about the team and the way that the team has come to exist, and the way that the team is composed, clearly diversity is an issue. Uh, in the sense that you guys have a lot of diversity on your team. You are Asian American, Connor is from Antigua Barbuda, uh, but he is of African ancestry. Even your Irish guy, you know, Cormac is not 100% Irish. He's also Dutch. And you've got Elliot, who's from Arlington, Virginia, down here. He's African-American. Was it organic that this came up, that you guys had this great level of diversity? Was it a conscious thing, or is it just... We live in New York City. It's the biggest city in the country, and you're gonna find diversity.
1: You know, the thing is, it, it wasn't a conscious effort. You know, we, we looked around it. Well, when I started the team, I looked around. You know, it's predominantly a white sport, and it, it is what it is, right? It's just um, these are the people that participated in it. I, I didn't set out to create this diverse team. It's just that you attract certain people. It's like people are people, man. And you're in, like, like you said, in the city, it's so diverse anyway. It's like, how could our team not be diverse, right? That's the question, really. You encounter all these people, and it's just—it turned out like, wow, it's like we got the most diverse team in the city. How, how is that? There's no one even close. That wasn't on purpose. It, it just happened that way, you know. I, we we vet everyone, you know. You have to be a good person first of all, you know. Like being strong. There are so many strong guys out there, you know. I hate to say it, but a dime a dozen, you know. We can get strong guys on here, but they can totally ruin. The chemistry of the team, right? And then that—that's more valuable than anything. You're, you're not going to race well if you have a guy that's kind of a, that's kind of a prick, you know.
0: This podcast is a podcast that is genuinely about fashion and style. It is masquerading as a cycling podcast, but really, you know, when it gets down to it, this is just a fashion podcast. And and you guys, you guys have nothing but New York City style attitude. All black kit, the black bikes. I mean, even even your haircut is not something that would typically get seen in Peoria, Illinois. You know, where did this all black, really cutting edge, really fashion forward type persona come from?
1: Well, it's just, it was personal taste, really, you know, and man, I, I I hate knocking on other teams, but sometimes you see these guys with like clown outfits on and I'm like, I am not wearing that. You know, it's like people, like regular civilians hate us already. You know, <laughs> it's like, why can't we do this sport and actually look good, right? And New York City, I mean, if you live in New York City, you got to wear black, man. It's just the way it goes.
0: As a, as a Chicagoan, I can tell you that I'll continue to wear black until they make a darker color.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. You know, the thing is, you look good, you feel good, right? You train well, and we're just so happy that we have uh, ASOS as a supporter. Uh, they came on last year, and I mean, their stuff is just super, super preem. Yeah, it's just—I mean, that's part of it, right? What 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 gets a lot of people into cycling is just like, hey, you know, you think that the the cyclist looks cool, and you know, that's what I wanted. I want to put forth a cool vibe, right? You, you got to look good, and that's just going to make your the rest of your day better.
0: That is amazing that a team like yours, is capable of attracting the attention of a clothing manufacturer like ASOS. Now, obviously, they are one of the premier clothing manufacturers in the entire world. And when you guys were creating this relationship with them, you were a New York City team. You know, you didn't have like a huge race calendar outside of New York City. You weren't yet a part of USA Crits. Where, where does this relationship come from?
1: The, the introduction was made through Strictly Bicycles. Nelson Gutierrez, the owner, and Joanna, uh, I've known them for 15 years. They, they got me into cycling, and they were opening up this amazing shop in uh, Hudson Yards, Strictly Cycling Collective, and part of that collective is specialized in ASOS and also Pinarello. So they're like, hey, listen, man, it's like, you're going to represent us. You got to look good. I'm like, hey, man, I'm with you, brother. (laughs) And, you know, I got to say, it's like, you know, when we first started off, we were a Cat 4 team, right? And, you know, just like every other Cat 4 team, you feel entitled to like sponsorship and free things. And this is a pet peeve of mine. It's like, you know, now I understand the way things work. You have to overproduce for people before you can expect anything, right? You have to get results. You, you, you have to get your your social on point, your social media. Uh, you have to provide value. You can't just, you know, I, I've, I've spoken to Cat 4s and Cat 5s. They're like, well, I, I wear their, their product and I ride around Central Park at 5 in the morning. I'm like, great. No one sees you. You know, it's like the homeless guy sees you. It's You provide no value, my man. <laughs> so that, that's one thing I think a lot of people need to learn. It's uh, it's In order to, to attract sponsors and things like that, over-deliver for them before you ask for anything. That's how you have to approach it.
0: And you guys have, you guys have obviously done this because you've become ubiquitous on social media and with marketing. I mean, strictly bicycles just had this massive campaign that they, they put out there with, I believe it was specialized and you know, the quality content that got produced with this short video was amazing. But then you look at your social media feed itself It is like, it's like photograph after photograph of, you know, well done pictures too in Times Square, in Dumbo, you know, in, in iconic places that people, that's where people go to do their Instagram shots from around the world. Where did you guys create this level of savviness?
1: So funny story. I only got on Instagram about three years ago. So I I run the, the Instagram feed. And it was, uh, if you go back and look at some of our older stuff, it's like, it's cringe now, but <laughs> there's a learning curve, you know? But but just like, you know, how do we attract the, all these guys to the team? Just going through these years, riding around, you, you meet so many people. So we met Daryl Mascheranis, who's our creative director. Uh, he's a partner at one of these marketing firms on Madison Avenue. And I mean, he's just a beast photographer, right? So We've had a couple shoots with him. We work with uh, Nate Congleton, who just joined the team. He's the official photographer for the NBC Today Show. You know, he also shoots for the New York City uh, football team, uh, football club, soccer club. We have these uh, awesome photographers. We feel so fortunate, you know. And now Neil Black, he's also uh, dabbling in it too, and he's producing some good stuff. So you know, we figured during this year, especially, there, there was a lack of content. You know, usually during the the race season all of us, we get these pro, uh, race pictures, it, it, you know, it's, they're great. We miss that so much. We miss that dearly, but without any racing going on, there was a, a, a real like uh, lack of content out there. So we decided like, Hey, let's, let's put stuff out. You know, like people want to look at stuff, right? People want to, want to see cool pictures. People want to see like, you know, athletes training. They want to see like cool gear, like cool bikes, cool kit. That, that's how it started. And, um, it's fun. It's really fun. We're having a blast doing it.
0: Can you tell me about one of them? There was one of them that I saw the other day. It's a miserable-looking picture in the sense that it was taken in the rain, but if you look at the way that the picture is composed, it's of one of the guys on the team in Times Square, which I know is a dangerous area to begin with, you know, just to ride through with all the tourists and taxicabs, but it's this incredible image of a rider in Times Square, in the rain, with the lighting just perfectly, you know, wh- wh- how did that picture come to be?
1: Oh, that was me. <laughs> we're, we're transitioning to the our fall winter kit. So the, the only custom kit that we're getting for the winter is we're going to do long sleeve jerseys. Everything else is non-custom. And we, we, we did that on purpose. Because uh, again, a New York style, right? It's like any color, as long as it's black. So how do we take a picture like that in Times Square with the rain and cabs and things? You know, you just wait there, okay, lights red, go, sprint. <laughs> and you you do that a couple dozen times and, and you just hope you get something, you know? And, th- and that's how it goes. So I mean, it, it is work, but but it is fun, you know? It, it is fun.
0: And I'm I'm looking at the picture of it right now and it it's 100% you, the red double-decker bus in the background, the lights are all perfect. It's like it was staged. Literally, I've seen film crews not have something staged this well, and they've got everything shut down. You've got this outsized personality on social media. Now you're bringing the heat with your racing. You know, you've started to expand racing outside of New York City. Obviously, you had been big in the mid-Atlantic and and up into the Northeast, But what's drawing you in the direction of going out from there?
1: So it's kind of like a goldfish is only gonna grow as big as its tank is, right? Last year we we had sixty-eight podiums, man. It's just I don't I don't want to say it became easy because no bike race is easy, but it's like we love winning. We're hyper competitive, right? So but but we also want to be challenged. What good is it, you know, going up to the same race and just like, you know, beating the same people? No disrespect to them either. It's like, you know, but it's just that we we know that there's a different tier, different level of racing, right? We want to race on the national level. I mean, we have national champs on our team, guys that have been in UCI races since they were kids. It's another challenge, you know? It's New York City, we've been racing here forever, and it, it get I don't want to say it gets stale. It's I'm not the best with words, but I, I would say that there are just new challenges and, and new um you know, new experiences out there, right? Where, where, when else are we going to get to see the rest of the country? You know, USA Crits, it, it was an amazing opportunity, you know? Uh, I'm just so happy that they accepted our, our our application for it.
0: So let's talk about USA Crits, because this is a big step for you guys. You know, it's one thing to dominate CRCA races, and it's, you know, one thing to go and, and put your name in the hat against some of the best people in, in the Northeast. But When you line up at a USA Crits race, it's not just the best in New Jersey, although he, Tom Gibbons, is there. It's the best in California, in Texas, in the Midwest, in the Southeast. Why? Why USA Crits? Why set your goal for them?
1: I think most of the riders on the team, uh, we love Crits, right? And Crits are so American, man. Man, just so intense. It's just a hundred percent from the gun right your heart is just jacking for like an hour hour and a half uh it's just so fun and yeah we, we understand like we we've bitten off a lot we got we have big fish to fry but that's exciting i mean that's exciting it's if there's nothing to challenge you you know what motivates you to get out there and train right and also in this day and age like you know there's strava people post up their numbers you're like wow that guy's pretty strong but like so is cormac so is connor so so is maximo right All these guys, so is Neil. I I just feel like you need new challenges in life, right? Once things get too easy, you get too comfortable, you start getting a big head, you know. (laughs) Like we're going to go out there, and I'm sure we're going to get humbled at some races, but you know, I I fully expect that we're going to get some results too, hundred percent. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it, right? And yeah, we're just super stoked by that. It's really, it's really the challenge that that pushes us to 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 get out of our comfort zone a little bit.
0: So when I was doing background. For this interview and for a couple other interviews, I got to talk to the folks at USA Crits, and they led on to the fact that they were fairly hands on and helping you guys get ready to be a part of USA Crits because you you came from an area that was underrepresented in the entire you know pro crit peloton in New York City. You guys are bringing a sense of style and flair that you know, is truly something that I think that the entire organization can benefit from. But how instrumental were the folks at USA Crits in getting you all prepared to become a part of it?
1: Well, I think Scott Morris, the director, he was, uh, he was very good in, in just telling us like what to expect. Uh, he, he actually made a, made a trip up here because uh, we were trying to set something up for uh, Hudson Yards going forward, uh, perhaps doing a crit up here, which would be insane that would be the crown jewel in in the race uh calendar i think but yeah i mean he he gave us an idea of what to expect and like you know speaking to other guys too like uh steve ramirez from butcher box just giving us like tips about like logistics things that i didn't have to consider because i just roll out of bed and go to central park right it's like logistics how do we get like six guys and like 10 bikes right and like you know all this extra equipment how do we go from place to place? Uh, little tips like that are very, very helpful, you know? Like for them, it's just it's second nature because they've, they've been doing it for so long. So we really appreciate that.
0: Are you guys, and I'm going to say this, you both singular and plural. So are you, you know, Michael Tan and you, good guys racing, ready to line up next to ButcherBox, next to Automatic, next to Legion? Are you guys at all intimidated by these icons of the criterion world
1: uh we are not intimidated and I'm not trying to be arrogant by saying that I'm just confident in our guys and one of the thing is we all train together so I know my guys aren't slacking right the guys who and the thing is we have so many strong guys on our team we're, we're fighting for spots to get into the, the d1 uh, races right nothing's a given we're gonna bring our best squad every time and you know we train hard and knowing you know these guys, you know, Justin Williams, Tom Gibbons, they're, they're amazing bike racers. We have nothing but respect for them, you know, but doesn't mean we, we don't want to smash them in races, right? Like we, we definitely want to win and that's what we're doing. And you know, we, we're not intimidated at all. And I'm not, I'm not being arrogant. I'm just confident in my guys.
0: Do you think that they're ready for you? <laughs> Cause when I go up, when I go up to New York city and I race at Harlem, you know, it's a, it's a different style of racing. You know, people are hands-on. There is definitely a certain level of aggression that you would not expect from, you know, a, a Crit in Nebraska. Do you think that the rest of the USA Crits series is ready for you guys?
1: Uh, well, you know, they can sleep on us if they want. Uh, I, I don't think right now it's we have to earn our respect, right? Uh, we're, we're stepping into to, to their pond, so uh, we have to earn the respect. You know, I don't expect anything you know in the beginning but I, th- I think over the course of time they'll realize you know we're very fair racers uh we're strong we work hard and we're clean right we're not going to do anything dirty uh but we're going to race really really hard so we we look forward to to earning their respect
0: what do you think now we can hold this we can hold you to this because we'll just come back next year after racing has started and and we'll we'll get to ask you if you're right or wrong about this but What do you think is going to be the biggest surprise for you all when you do show up to Tulsa Tough or Westchester or Athens?
1: So I think what's going to be shocking to us, uh, we expect this, but we expect the caliber of the entire field to be super, super high. In these local races that we do, there are 10 guys, a handful of guys. OK, these, these are the hitters. These are the guys with the chance to win. We got to watch and mark their moves. Right. Uh, when we first go to these races, you know, like Tulsa, Birmingham, you know, out, out in Utah, it's uh, I, I just think it's just way deeper. You know, like the 30th place guy is going to be super strong and, and things like that really motivate us, though, too. It's um, <laughs> but, but, but going back to your question, I think we will be shocked by the pace of it. You know, like when we get there, it's like, oh my God, it's on, right? It's like skydiving the first time you jump out of the plane. You're like, whoa, I'm like falling pretty fast, you know? <laughs> Not that we haven't trained for it, but it's its still just, it's jarring, right? The first time. But, but I think we'll be ready. You know, I, I think the learning curve, it's going to be pretty steep. You know, at first you might be out of your element just a bit, but then ultimately it's a bike race, right? Just turn the pedals, man, lean it over and sprint. You know, <laughs> that's how it goes, right?
0: So at 43 years old. Uh, I'm actually asking for advice now, uh, because I'm 41 and, you know, you're in incredible shape. You have a job in the fitness industry, so that kind of helps so that you actually know what you're doing. What is it that you think you could provide folks as far as, I don't know, a little bit of free advice on what are the most critical things to keep your body working at its finest or at its highest as you age?
1: So the number one thing is, you know, at 43 years, uh, I'm super, I'm hyper aware of my body, right? I listen to my body. It doesn't mean I can't push hard, but when I do, I got to recover. I mean, it's uh, a lot of friction with the wife. I come home from a five hour training ride and she wants to go for a stroll. I'm like, I'm like, babe, I can't stand up, you know, it's like, it's not that I don't want to spend time with you. I cannot move, you know, <laughs> let's just Netflix and chill. That's the number one thing, you know, like a lot of the young guys they're you know, they run themselves into the ground. It's like, whoa, whoa, just uh, back off a bit, like recover, you know, like that, that's where, that's where all the gains happens when you're, when you're sitting on the couch. So that's the one big piece of advice, you know, that I have for my guys, but, but also like weightlifting, you know, you, you have to lift, especially if you're doing crits. I mean, you know, if you're a 140 pound guy and like, I think you'd have a hard time, you know, I think you need some meat on those bones.
0: Oh, great. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. We are going to be checking in with you and the rest of the guys from good guys racing as 2021 gets going. And hopefully we're going to see some big races.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the show, and Happy New Year. This show was written, produced, and edited by me, Rob Kelly. We are a proud member of the Wide Angle Podium network of shows. For more information about the network, head on over to wideanglepodium.com. And for more about this show, please follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Criterium Nation. We've got an incredible set of shows coming up in the new year, featuring some of the best young athletes that the Criterium scene has to offer. So please join us here again next week when we talk more about our Criterium Nation. As you know, materials in cyclocross are very important. What do you think, Mr. Sven Nies? It's
1: very important to have the
0: good material when it's frozen, when it's dry, when it's
1: summer, when it's uh, it's wet. Uh, The tires are very important. It's all about technique. It's all about uh, the good material.
0: So we brought the Bike Shop Show back with a cyclocross focus. Same great format, new name, Bike Shop CX. Give it a listen. I think you'll dig it. Each week, Mr. David Palin and I talk about things that go on at our bike shop. We talk about things that go on in the pro cyclocross pit at all the big races around the country. Sometimes we have industry-leading guests on the show. Sometimes it's just the two of us yapping. If you're at all interested in cyclocross, I think you'll like it. The bike shop is open.